I do know that. Yeah, I I do know. It's weird. I don't know where it came from necessarily, but what? they wow. it was creepily accurate uh, on a lot of the stuff. Some of the stuff isn't entirely accurate, and whoever did it has not updated in a while. I wish I knew who. I would tell them like, "Hey, talk about my AW podcast." Because that's not that you know that's not on there, and I I have I know fuck all about like Wikipedia, so I'm like there's an edit button. All you do is push the edit button. I think I've never done it myself. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll do it myself. But it's uh you know it is it is weird having a Wikipedia page. Yeah, I've always wanted a I've always wanted a Wikipedia page, but I wanted a Wikipedia page too. Wiccan, yeah, for yeah. the for the witches of us. Hell yeah. Yeah, you gotta stay current with your uh with your with your witch niche. <laughs> Hell yeah. That well not no unintentional. Uh, welcome to the hypothetical comedy podcast. I am Funky Sam Medina. And I am Athena Rodriguez. And we're here with comedian Johnny Taylor. Hey Johnny, how you doing, man? I'm fantastic. It's good to be here and hey, uh yeah, to thanks. see your smiling face. It was so cool to see you at the show the other night, which uh was uh was awesome so yeah man thanks for being here and it really was great to see you on the show i your set was so funny i haven't seen you perform oh, live in so it. long and i just lo- i loved it it was great yeah. oh thanks dude it was uh an odd show with a mariachi band <laughs> playing yeah throughout most of it uh and i like how you I, came on stage and you talked about him and then they stopped like they were they were i know I, like you embarrassed them i felt like i had i felt like i had weird powers uh, <laughs> i manif- i i manifested it uh yeah uh jesse rivera it was his birthday jesse's a good friend of mine and uh <clears throat> he was originally had rota ramon was scheduled to headline that show and she couldn't make it last second so uh you know i'm not back on the road till next week so i would people don't realize this and i think people are hesitant to ask me sometimes to do their shows in town uh but if i'm not on the road i'll i'll fucking perform outside of a dumpster you know what i mean like i'm just i'm just trying to stay sharp you know what i mean so I mean, you uh, almost did that night. There was a dumpster about yeah, I mean, feet away. In fact, it was it was as, set, it was as close. During as your possible. set, they brought a big garbage can out because you could hear the wheels <laughs> to the dumpster. Yeah. yeah, they were like they were like getting ready to close up shop. I'm like, yeah, yeah this is uh, this is where we've come. I've made it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was. It's been cool to like you know Jesse's like, hey, last second, do you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I ain't got shit going on. So hell yeah, rock, rock and roll. Rock and roll. Yeah. yeah no, it was so a good time. Good. It was it's a good time. Good. I love when stuff like that happens because kind of like, okay, as a comedian, it's cool to me, but you know, as a person who loves to watch comedy, it's even cooler because it's like, we got to celebrate our friend and had this extra treat of seeing a really amazing comedian, you know, oh, and so I, nice. it's not, that's not like very frequent. Right. And, and to see, uh, you know, see a show in, in such a weird, yeah. weird, it's a weird, it was weird. It was, there's no, no other way to put it. It was just a strange show. So, yeah. uh, the lighting was weird and the mic was weird and the mariachi band. Oh, the lighting kept street. going out. Yeah. Cause <laughs> Jess was fixing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was like on stage during people's sets, fixing it. And I'm like, 
this is this is fucking stand-up comedy like, but there was there was the, a bunch of people there yeah 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 a decent crowd which was cool and there's a street fair out front i was like when i got there i was like wow jesse has a lot of friends like, <laughs> they blocked off the street That's what but, I thought. Yeah. yeah and then i got inside and i was like oh wait no these people are just enjoying uh food and beer and i uh i was going to the bathroom at one point and i was standing in line and there was a lady in front of me and she was on her cell phone and she was like you got to get over here now they're having a stand-up comedy show it's gonna be so much fun and i was like yeah i almost wanted to step in and be like oh wait till you see the headliner you know but i didn't say i didn't say anything to her yeah that's nice i think uh yeah that was one of those shows where i think like 80 percent of the crowd liked me and 20 (laughs) percent of the crowd absolutely hated me and were like who hired this guy (laughs) but that but that tracks that's uh that's been the uh i think that's been the arc of my career has been uh about half and half half love it half hate it and uh that's fine Uh, it's got me this far yeah absolutely so i don't know if you know this but the time that we saw you before this past time it was july of 2019 and we oh my god (laughs) (laughs) we were not doing comedy for like three years i remember i remember when you guys took the hiatus yeah and so uh you know johnny taylor tickets want to sell i bought them and i was super excited i in fact i was like i set my alarm because it was like Ticketmaster, and they want to sell like at 10 o'clock and i literally bought seat one and two uh at the i remember you guys were you you guys were up front yeah Yeah. it was it was great and we were just sitting there and we we were loving the show and on the way home um athena was like you know I was picturing myself there. I was picturing myself doing that. I really miss doing that. And I was like, oh, me too. The whole time I was there, I was picturing like, oh, I could be here. I could be on stage. And that's kind of when we decided to to get back on stage because of that. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take full credit. I got him back back into stand up. Uh, Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, I think I remember that one. It was, uh, I think I remember being pretty good, pretty good crowd. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, at the sack punch, was I headlining? Yeah, you yes. were. It was your show. Yeah, uh, Robert okay, cool. Berry was hosting, and uh, Daniel Hamburg is it Hamburg? Oh yeah, D- Daniel Hamburger. Yeah, Hamburger, and then also uh, uh, Keith, Keith was on too. Yeah, Keith always wiggles his way on any show. <laughs> uh, if I'm doing a show, he wiggles. He wiggles on it. I do the same to his show, so I can't really bitch. <laughs> it happens. It happens. You know, it so that's really what good. that's what friends are for, I guess. <laughs> right. So Johnny, friends are there to lend seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you uh, born and raised in Sacramento? Where are you from? I, no, I, I, Sacramento is definitely my hometown, but I was born in Riverside, uh, down south. Uh, but I we moved we moved around a ton when I was a kid. Uh, not because I was like a military brat, but my mom was severely mentally ill. And whenever some shit would go wrong, we would move. So oh, I lived, wow. uh, yeah, I lived in, uh, born in Riverside, uh, lived in, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, as a kid, lived in Reno, uh, lived in Sac, moved back to Reno, then moved back to Sac when I was like 13. But I've been in Sac other than I moved to LA for, for three years. Uh, and came back right before the pandemic. When you guys saw me, I was probably still living in LA and I was just up doing a show. So, Oh, wow. That's interesting. I think I moved back around right around that time, probably. So 
you made the right choice probably because life would have been a lot harder in LA during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had to go down there for uh, different reasons during the pandemic. And it was like, it seemed post-apocalyptic. It was very uh, strange down there. So yeah, I mean, I did uh, make the right call. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's cool. So uh, what was it like for you to, so you grew up in Sacramento. What was that like for you? Uh, I love SAC. Uh, I have a lot of 916 pride. Uh, you know, people shit on SAC, but I think SAC's a great town. And it's also a really great town for stand up because it's a super diverse city. People don't realize that. Uh, I would say if you could do well in SAC, it, it travels well. You, it'll, it, you could probably do stand up most places if you're okay at it in SAC. And I think the proof's on the pudding. We've had so many great comics come out of SAC, you know. Kyrie, uh, Shabazz, Jared Guzman, Keith, myself, uh, Ruby Satnick, who's killing it in New York now. Wow. So that's awesome. Uh, yes, uh, Mikey Winfield. I mean, how can I forget? Uh, but yeah, I mean, SAC, I mean, I would go on, I would say SAC has probably had, you know, with Stephen Fury, a, a more successful SAC comics in the last you know, five to seven years than even the Bay Area. So uh, SAC slept on for the comedy scene. But it's also a cool town. I love SAC. Yeah. I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And then so speaking of your childhood, uh, one thing that you do talk about in your stand-up is that uh, when you were a kid, you would lay awake in bed and cry um, and be just stressed out about the fact that you know, someday your parents are both going to die. Um, yeah. It's crazy because I did the same thing when I was a kid. You know, oh, yeah. and so I've I've finally felt like I connected with somebody on that because I've never really felt like that before. So that's cool. Um, do you have? I, I don't want to talk about like negative bad things, but do you have any like fun talk about stories about your? What's that? Talk about whatever, man. <laughs> but I know that your parents are like a big part of your life and a big part of your stand up. Do you have any like fun stories about growing up with your parents? Yeah, I mean, my parents for all for all their faults, uh, you, you know, I had a. I have fond memories of, of my childhood. You know, my dad was, you know, a super, super liberal, you know, he was always, he was always that guy that was like, you know, we accept everybody in this house uh, before it was cool to do that. You know, oh, that's uh, awesome. that's, he, that's he was woke before, before it was woke. <laughs> before the uh, <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, my mom was great. She, I mean, she was one of the funniest people I ever met. And I think I get a lot of my sense of humor from her. You know, she was this batshit crazy lady, you know, she, and I, I say it, you know, with love, but she was most of my life, she was in and out of the mental hospital, like every, you know, couple of years. So uh, it was weird. Like you definitely like would walk on eggshells and you'd avoid triggering terms and triggering things on television because you didn't really know what would, what would set her off, but you'd start to see patterns, you know? And uh, so that was challenging, you know, and it kind of robbed me a lot. And I, I argue with my siblings about this. I have two sisters and a brother and they look at our childhood through like these rose colored glasses. And it's because I was so much younger than them. You know, they weren't there a lot of the time, you know, I was in it, you know, uh, I, I was living there and uh, a lot of them had already moved on and, and, and were adults, you know, my closest siblings, eight years older than me. Oh, wow. uh, 
so you know i was just a little kid and they were out there living their lives you know they didn't have to deal with it every day uh so you know i i definitely got kind of short end of the stick as far as like when my mom started having like some serious issues uh but at the same time you know the good time 95 percent of it was good just the five percent of it was so bad that it sticks with you you know yeah uh, absolutely you know, i'm 40 i'm 46 now and i'm still dealing with the repercussions of uh of, of that uh of growing up like that so but you know it makes good comedy for sure you know i mean i was i've, I've been able to you know that my parents uh, as most people know are since deceased but and i miss them every day but uh, you know, you got to turn, you know, the sub wrestling term, you got to turn chicken shit into chicken salad sometimes, you know? So, uh, I've tried to do that for the most part. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I understand that as well. Like, I feel like the same way, like to where, you know, you could look at it like a negative thing, but then you know, that's also like, there's like so much like goodness out of it too. That's kind of, that's kind of how my childhood was as well. Yeah. You got, I mean, I, and everybody's, it's not like I'm some fucking rare bird, you know, it, <laughs> everybody's shot. Everybody's had their shit. You know what I mean? Regardless yeah. of, you know, uh, race, class, whatever, you know, people are always like, you know, people see people bitching, like rich people bitching about something like they don't have their own problems. You know what I mean? It's like, everybody's got problems. doesn't matter, uh, who you are. Uh, that said, it'd be awesome to have money to just go spend. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it? <laughs> they say money Trying doesn't buy, buy happiness. My way out of it. <laughs> they say money doesn't buy happiness. Hey. But a few cars make me pretty happy. Yep. <laughs> right, I could buy some buy buy some dopamine hits. Yeah, right. Like yeah. That. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hey, so uh, at what point did you kind of like discover uh, and fall in love with stand-up comedy? Yeah. Well, I was a kid. I started really loving stand-up. My parents were those uh those parents that just let me watch whatever so i was like five watching like nightmare on elm street and porkies and <laughs> any kind of just you know the most inappropriate shit <laughs> but i watched uh i remember watching robin williams at the met on hbo when i was probably five or six maybe yeah probably six and just being like whoa like i've never seen anybody do this he's just standing on stage making a theater of people laugh you know and uh i was immediately like oh i want to do that but then throughout my entire like childhood you know i loved fucking uh richard pryor and i loved john rivers anybody that was you know funny and i had access to i was super into and then later you know as i became a teen and into my early 20s it was like chris rock was like Chris Rock's still my guy, you know, I, uh, I think, uh, bring the pain, which came out in like 95, still one of the greatest standup specials of all time. And it holds up, you know, I've watched it so many times, even recently. Um, and then Louis CK RIP, uh, uh, and then, you know, so many, uh, so many others, you know, you start kind of expanding your horizons, but I did, I started late. I didn't start till I was 32. So, uh, you know, it took me a while to even get the courage to go to an open mic. I, you know, when I wanted to do stand up, 
I didn't even know how to do it. Even in my thirties, I was like, how do you, how do you start this? And I'm like, Oh, you got to go to an open mic. And I went to an open mic at the comedy spot and was like, I have to be better than some of these people, you know, like it was so dreadful for the most part. And then I remember being like, okay, I'll go, go up next week. And I didn't think much about it. I, the day that I went up, I scribbled like maybe three things, ideas down. And I was like, I'll go talk about this. And uh, it went well enough that I was like, oh man, maybe I'll do this again. So the next week I remember I invited all my friends out to the comedy spot, uh, which was a horrible idea, bombed horribly. <laughs> and then you get off stage, you get off stage and you, it's so funny. Your friends are so patronizing. They're like, well, you tried, you know, that's so cool. <laughs> you're, you know, that's so cool. You're, you're, you have a hobby, you know, and you're like, oh man, I thought, I thought I'd be good at this. Um, but then, you know, uh, glutton for punishment. I just kept getting up and, and, uh, you know, fucking 13 years later, here we are. So it's, it's wild that I've been doing this for that long, but sometimes yeah. seems like 500 years, but <laughs> yeah. Right. Like your whole life, like you've been doing <laughs> yeah. it. It does, it does seem like it that ages sometimes. you on the soul. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. My soul's got to be a thousand. By now. <laughs> How did you find the, the mic at the comedy spot? So I was living re- real near there. Uh, the comedy spots in Midtown. Have you guys ever gone to the comedy spot? No, never. Uh, so it's the 20th and K. So it's in the heart of Midtown in Sacramento. And I was living at 21st and Capitol at the time, which is like just two blocks away. Okay. And I used to go to this, uh, Mr. Pickles, uh, Hell sandwich yeah. shop it was right next door to the comedy spot at the time. It's long since gone, but I would go by there and I met Brian crawl who runs the comedy spot. And, uh, we would just bullshit outside. And uh, he was like, you're funny. Have you ever thought about doing improv? And I was like, uh, no, not really. You know, kind of not my, not my thing. And I was like, I have thought about stand up." And he's like, oh, you know, we do an open mic night. So that's what kind of inspired me to, to wow. go to the open mic night. That's it's all awesome. Brian Crawl's fault. So <laughs> uh, I know who to blame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's the one. Send your hate mail there. <laughs> Were you always such a good storyteller? Because your storytelling is just yeah. amazing. Uh, thank you. I uh, appreciate that. But not, I mean, not really. At, at the time, I was just trying to, like, figure out how to do anything. I, I, I didn't really even know how to write a joke. or uh, I, was, I, I was fucking clueless. You know, I just knew that the funniest I was is when I was telling a story at a party, you know, and I, I would always have like the, uh, a circle of people around me listening to me tell a story. And so I'm like, oh, maybe this is my thing. And I'm even in music, like uh, storytellers have always been my favorite. You know, I've always been such a big Nick Cave fan and a big Lou Reed fan and people that kind of had a, you know, they, were, they were true storytellers. And that just kind of became my style. And I, I knew that I didn't, I didn't want it to be all dark. I wanted it to be silly too. So I think I've, you know, over the years kind of it's dark and silly and, you know, narrative based. And that's just my thing, you know, it's just, it's, it has become what I do. Uh, but at first it was just, I was just trying to get a laugh. You know, I, I didn't know how I was going to, I just knew I wanted to. Um, so it took a while. And, you know, in the early going, you're only getting five minutes, you know, so it's really hard to like 
go up there when you're not good yet and kind of spin a yarn for five minutes and hope it works. So <laughs> yeah. the jokes in the early going were uh, definitely uh, a little, a little quick, uh, quicker than they are now. Now I definitely take my time, but I have, I mean, I have the luxury to most of the time. So. Yeah. Right. As a headliner. <laughs> I didn't have it back then. I didn't have it back then. You know? <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. So then uh, you started recording an album a couple years into your comedy, right? Tangled Up in the Plaid? Yeah, Tangled Up in the Plaid. So that was, uh, was everybody told me that was a horrible idea. Oh, really? Uh, Oh, yeah. They were like, you're two years in and you don't have an hour. I heard it all from everybody. Uh, Even friends of mine were like, I don't know. Can you really think you do an hour? And I was like, yeah, I can. So I self-funded it. I did the, uh, I did GoFundMe. And I knew I didn't need much money. I knew a really good sound guy that was going to give me a deal. And I used the sack punch line. And I think I had just been passed as a host at the Live Nation clubs. Uh, so, you know, they were even giving me two nights. I think they gave me a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Uh, just them even, like, giving me two nights was very generous of them. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, – yeah, so I did one show each night, and it turned out good. I didn't have a record deal or anything. I just, you know, self-produced it, and then I had a guy edit it. And I, then I just sent it out to some places. I was, I sent it out to Stand Up Records. I sent it out to uh, a special thing. I sent it out to Sub Pop and Kill Rock Stars. And uh, I got two two people were interested in it, Stand Up Records, who I ended up signing a record deal with. And then uh, Kill Rock Stars also was interested in putting it out. And uh, I went with Stand Up Records uh, because just the, the history of the label, you know, they had Marin and Bamford. They, you know, there's this legacy of uh, great comics that have put stuff out on there. So uh, they wanted to put it out. So they put it out and uh, it did pretty well. And it still makes me money, you know, which is, uh, you know, not much, but, you know, I still get royalty checks. I'm like, yeah, people still listen to Tangled Up and Plaid. That's pretty oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, we love the album. We do. In fact, oh, I thanks. believe it's the first album uh, that has, like, the greatest callback in the history of the world in there. Oh, w- w- which one is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> the punchline is... I barely uh, remember the shit. Uh, the don't pun- want to, like, the, spoil it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember exactly how you have it going, but the punchline is, oh, I'm that guy now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I love that. that. I think about that sometimes, like, like just, I'll just randomly think about that situation. You know, I still, I still use that callback in a totally different bit now. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, which is funny. Uh, I have that little, you know, one minute anchor in a bit, and then I do a completely different bit, and then I use that anchor again at the end. Uh, way better bit now. <laughs> That's cool. No, I gotta hear that new bit. I gotta hear that new but, bit. Uh, I love that original one. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do it uh, the night you guys saw me. I, man, that night I maybe did two bits and just riffed. <laughs> man, good. that the, that challenger bit though, that, like we were talking about that. Oh, thanks. Time. It was so. Funny. Oh my gosh, we were giggling so freaking hard. And yeah, that's I think like, that's the tragedy, new special. But you made it so yeah. funny to like because I remember being little, you know. Yeah, and, me too. Like it's so relatable for us. I yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, people of a certain age, for sure. It, it's one of those bits, too, where uh, I've had people be like, 
I'm just not into you making fun of the challenger exploding. And I'm like, it's not even about that. It's about little kids not knowing how to react to a tragedy. Yeah, exactly. And knowing, mm-hmm. You know, that the, the it's dark, of course, in nature, but it's really like I'm not making fun of people dying in the challenger. I'm I, I'm making fun of the fact that how irresponsible adults are to not to not warn us of the possible <laughs> risks involved. Um, and the way, and you don't know how to process it. You don't know what's happening as a kid. So, you don't even know. You know, yeah, I, I, I literally weird. had no idea what happened. So we yeah. were we're a little bit younger than you, Johnny. But uh, as soon as you start, most that people bit, are. <laughs> as soon as you started that bit, I, I had a flashback of an episode of Punky Brewster. Uh, where they talked about the Challenger exploding when I was a kid. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, I've, I've, I love Funky Brewster. I don't think I've ever seen that. I'm going to definitely YouTube it. Yeah, yeah. The uh, older guy, the, the, uh, the guy that, you know, yeah, the Henry guy or whatever, the teacher guy that she, that she talks to, he had to like sit down with her and talk to her about it because she was like, same thing. I think they watched it in school like you did. Yeah. No, I mean, that was the thing. Uh, I remember the lead up to it just being incredible. I was like, it's fucking awesome, man. It's, we're going to space. Yeah, it's yeah. so sick. They're even sending a teacher up there. Uh, and then just watching it unfold and being like, wow, that's going to fucking ruin. That's what I was like, that's going to make a great bit someday. Speaking of great bits. Uh, so when did you think that you were kind of onto something with the comedy? Was it when you did your first album or yeah, was it a little bit before that? Your voice. Yeah, no, it was probably, yeah. You know, I listen. It's a, I mean, I wasn't ever really horrible. Uh, so I thought that was a good sign. You mm-hmm. know, I, I would do open mics and I was still like better than a lot of the people and people that had been doing it like a, a lot longer. Uh, and then, you know, I had no context. So I like, I didn't know like open mics were just practice. You know, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. So when I started, you know, I would vomit open mics sometimes, but sometimes I do okay. And you know, the same old story. It's just how every, how it works for everybody. And then I would do a show. Like I, I remember I did the sack showcase at the punchline and I crushed and I was like, Oh man, I didn't know it could be like this. And I remember Keith <laughs> being like, yeah, all those times you're bombing and practicing those bits, like you were preparing yourself for having a crowd of people that weren't degenerate drunks, you know what I mean? Uh, or other comics. So when I started doing well, when I was getting put on shows that had a crowd, I was like, Oh, maybe I'm not bad at this. And, uh, then I just started doing more shows and, and people would book me for cooler stuff. And I, I do the Throck Morton and I started getting up up at the Sunday showcase at the SF punchline, uh, which still, I mean, I talk to sack comics all the time and you know, it's not nearly as stringent as it was. You you used to have to go every other week or every week and you have to wait six months. You know, now people are getting passed through sack to work the sack club. Uh, But you know, I, I went every other week for, you know, six, six or seven months straight. And then when I finally got up, I had a great set and Molly, who used to book it, uh, she came up and she was like, uh, that was a really great set. And I was like, oh, that's got to be good. She, uh, she probably didn't say that to everybody. <laughs> and then she was like, can you come back Wednesday uh, to San Francisco and, 
and audition at Cobbs after my first time ever getting up to the SF punchline showcase. Wow. And so I went on Wednesday and I, I had a great set of Cobbs. And then she emailed me while I was on my way home and gave me a weekend with Moshe Kasher. And I was like, Oh, that's, it probably doesn't work like this. Uh, like, I think I really, I, I got lucky, you know, right, right place, right time. And then had a good set. And then, uh, a couple of weeks later, she emails me. She's like, Moshe Kasher canceled. We're going to put you with somebody else. And I was like, okay. And she put me with Brian Posehn. Oh, and, wow. Uh, that's how I met Brian Posehn, who uh, has become one of my best friends. And I feature for, you know, 15 weekends a year on the road now. So uh, I I got lucky. A lot, you know, a lot of things went right in that first couple of years. So uh I feel very lucky, you know. That is really cool. And I and have people looking out for me, cool people looking out for me. So I love how it just like the universe has kind of made you meet Brian Posehn and you guys became really good friends. That's, that's incredible. Right, right. I, uh, you know, you couldn't write it. You know, it's just yeah. one of those weird things that happen. It's wild because if you think if like uh, Moshe Kasher would, was there, like, would it, be that kind of friendship would, <laughs> would it be that kind of chemistry would you be best you friends with, with moshe kesher if not <laughs> right right and uh i've met moshe several times and uh he's very nice but yeah who knows you know i i, I do that weekend with moshe kesher uh maybe i never i never even meet brian Fosain. you know what i mean so yeah. it's uh it, it's hard it's hard to tell so do you have any uh, uh fun road stories with brian um, I mean, every, here's the thing, Brian and I are old, so, uh, <laughs> it, it's not like one of those things where it's like, we go on the road, we fucking party all weekend. Uh, it's definitely not that it's, uh, we usually eat good food. We go to some comic shops and some record stores. Uh, we, you know, have really great shows. We, you know, smoke pot with fans and, then we eat late night and then we go back to our hotel rooms. You know, I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's not nearly, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it, it's definitely not like partying with the Rolling Stones in 1973. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, uh, definitely. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I have great memories and they mostly revolve around just having really fun shows and having really good food. So, so you know, we love Austin. We love Portland. We love Denver. Because uh, we know that the food's really good, and uh, it, people are weirdos, and they're gonna like the show. So <laughs> that's cool, man. I, I I would love to see uh, you and and him perform together someday. I, th- I feel like you would compliment each other a lot. Well, we we do. I mean, it's a fun show, and we're at Cobb's next month, October nineteenth oh, to twenty first. So, oh, that's so come good. through. I'll get you on the guest list. Hell yeah! Yeah, we'll have that to we'll have to follow so up with cool. you on that. Uh, is what is uh, Trump sugar sucks tragic? That's on your Wikipedia page. So that was uh yeah Trump uh, Trump sugar sucks tragic was it was taken too long for my second album to be released and I felt like I wanted to get something out there so I took a bit which ended up on bumming with the devil uh, which was my second like full length release with stand up records I uh, we took a bit out of there and we released it and. Uh, I uh, donated all the money to Planned Parenthood. So it's basically just me shitting on 
Trump for five <laughs> minutes and uh, then all the money going to uh, his mortal enemy, uh, Planned Parenthood. So, it does say it was a charity, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah, and it was, uh, yeah, it's a good bit. And it, it sounds dated now because, you know, it's seven years later. But uh, at the same time, it's like I, I, I felt like I had to get like some content out uh because it seemed like it was taken forever for that second album to get released so uh that that's what that was and, and to this of... day i oh, sorry go ahead it's off it's off bone with the devil and to to this day i still think that's some of the coolest cover art ever oh yeah absolutely hell yeah yeah it, it looks like uh the the cover for a uh, blood sugar sex magic by the the chili peppers but it's got Trump's head where uh oh, I got to see that. Yeah, it's, it's good shit. That's really cool. So your second album that you just mentioned, Bum with the Devil, your first album was very DIY, very punk rock, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you did it yourself. You shopped it around. Uh, how, what was your second album like for you? Had a budget, which was cool. You know, I didn't have to worry about any of that. I didn't have to worry about like raising funds. And, and uh, we shot video and, uh, it came out on Tubi like maybe two weeks or three weeks ago. And so five years later after it's released, people finally like get to see it. It was crazy. I had no idea it was even going on Tubi. People on Twitter just started saying, Oh wow. I watched this guy's special. And I loved it. And I'm like, I had no idea it was even there. So wow. uh, yeah, I didn't drop a special a special got dropped on me. Um, so it was weird uh, five years later, people having people like finally like in a wide distribution get to see it. Uh, so that's been awesome. It's almost like this rebirth of that, uh, of that special. Uh, but I like that one. I like it a lot more than Tangled Up and Plaid. If I'm being honest, I just think it's way more focused. I think it's definitely me as a better comic doing an hour instead of me being, only pretty good you know well i mean there's a few Uh, factors like your experience factor one and the fact that you're not just trying to survive this time like you were last right right and i like the jokes on tangled up and plaid but i think i performed the second album a lot better you could just tell i'm way just way more at ease with kind of who i am as a comic so as much as i love tangled and plaid and people still this day will say that they they like Tangled Up and Plaid more, and that's that's cool. Which I think, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm glad people still like that album. But uh, if I was to choose, I think Bauman's probably uh, a better a better outing. But you know, uh, I'm super stoked people still like Tangled Up and Plaid. I like. I just don't love it as much, you know. I like how it's like almost uh, like people talking about their favorite musical album that they like. Oh, I like the original, but if you like it, that's right, okay. Right, right. <laughs> I liked his old. I liked his older stuff better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the next one is I'm really excited to record, Ooh. so uh, I'm stoked. Do you have any information that you can share about the next one? Yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, I think I'm recording in the East Coast. Uh, oh wow! I can't really tell you who I'm. Uh, I can't say much, uh, but it's gonna it's gonna be cool, and it, it, people are gonna be able to see it pretty easily, uh, which is is awesome. And uh, you know, I did record a third hour in Austin uh, at the Velveeta Room, and uh, I all the shows were great. I did four shows, and 
but I was very intoxicated. I was going through a really hard time in my life. Uh, and it just sounds, uh, it's ways it's just overly cynical. And for someone that is like a proud cynic, it must've been very cynical. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, we decided not to release it. You know, I, I, I didn't like that version of myself. So yeah. that, that those will always be forever be the lost tapes. Uh, and uh, who knows, maybe, maybe at some point, uh, at some point they'll get released. Maybe, I don't know. That's but uh, this next one, you know, I'm at maximum powers. I'm in a, at a good place in my life, and uh, the jokes are the best ones yet. So I'm I'm stoked. I love it. That's awesome. Hey, the lost tapes one. You could probably clip that one and put clips of it that you like on YouTube or something. Oh man, totally. Yeah, and, and I, I have thought about that. You know, it's when you have a record deal. It's so weird because uh, they own part of that intellectual property. So yeah, it, you're right. It's one of those things where uh, I would have to do it in conjunction with them. And I, I don't know if it's worth the effort, but trust me, at some point, at some time, a couple of those bits will see the light of day. I'm sure of it. I just don't know how. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like uh, it'll be interesting to see if that was like some of your crowd was like, that was the first time they ever saw you. And then someone goes, right. oh, have you ever heard of Johnny Taylor? And they're like, oh, he's dark. He yeah, is yeah, so that guy's an asshole. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that guy needs to uh, go seek therapy. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure most of that crowd will never see me again, and their only impression of me is being, you know, a, a very intoxicated, uh, petty jerk. What happens? I think we're all that, very intoxicated, petty fine. jerks at some point. <laughs> Right, right. Don't record it. I, they just, I just, yeah, I know. I just committed it to to analog. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's cool. Uh, let's talk about some of your podcasting. I know that you've had several podcasts. Yeah. Are you only doing the one oh, right man. now, or are you doing a couple? Only one. We're doing the Awesome Pod, which is a wrestling podcast. Uh, I had one with Keith called "It's Funny Because." Uh, back in the day, and then uh, I used to do one with Carlos Rodriguez. Uh, called that's what's up and uh I like you know name. just get my yeah get my feet wet and then uh and then i did one for the hard times called the hard talk uh or and it was originally called hipstrocracy and i had a bunch of great guests and that was a really fun podcast to do yeah i remember uh, you interviewed eric bischoff yeah i had eric bischoff on i had fucking black dahlia from the dwarves on Wow. Brendan Benson from the Rock and uh, Darcy the Mel Girl, who uh, is now my co-host for uh, the Awesome Pod, which uh, Mickey Avalon. I had a bunch of great people on that, but uh, Kyle Kinane, you know, if, if I think it's still out there available. There's some good shit in there. Uh, but I started. I interviewed Darcy and uh, Diana Prince, which she goes by in her regular life, and I. Uh, I talked to her after she was like, Oh, I didn't know you were a wrestling fan. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm a huge wrestling fan. And uh, she was like, Oh, we should do a wrestling podcast. And uh, then we brought Brendan Patrizzo in who uh, is a director for asylum uh, famous for Sharknado and things. And uh, he had never watched wrestling. So it was cool having this guy that was just watching wrestling for the first time, really 
not having any idea what was going on and then it turned into the awesome pod. So, and, uh, now we do that. We release weekly. Sometimes we'll have a special episode. Uh, Chris Jericho hops on and does a special episode oh. once every other month or so, Wow, which is, which is super cool. Yeah. And, uh, and then we're doing, uh, and then Joe Bob Briggs is on like fucking almost every week. Uh, but, Jericho is uh is super cool. We're doing uh the uh, Awesome Pod Live at Joe Bob Briggs Jamboree in Vegas, October eighth. Uh, right before and right after us, Jericho's doing Talk is Jericho, and then Fozzie's performing. Wow, uh, and then, that's uh, incredible. And, yeah, and then we're doing a Sleepaway Camp marathon, and Jericho and I are gonna get to kind of riff tracks it uh, with Joe Bob Briggs and some of the cast. So. Uh, that should be super cool. And, uh, and Bunny and the Blade are going to be our special guests for the live show, which, uh, should be super cool. Wow. I did not realize you're doing such big things with that podcast. That's, That's so amazing. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a, it's been good. Yeah. The awesome pod's blown up. It's, I've been, uh, pleasantly surprised at how well it's been done. I listened to a couple episodes of it and I really, I really enjoyed the dynamic. Um, I think, uh, it was just you and Darcy though, when I, what I heard. Yeah, yeah. So most of the time we'll just roll, uh, me, Darcy and Brendan. Uh, but it seems like lately we've had, you know, Joe Bob and Jericho have been on quite a bit over the last couple of months. So. Wow. That must be like a dream come true for you. That's incredible. It's wild. I've always been a Jericho guy too. Yeah. Uh, same. So the fact, fact that, um, uh, I put it on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i uh i laid out my clothes i took a quick shower and then i put my shirt on inside out but i was wearing a chris jericho shirt awesome. for you, but you can't see it so it doesn't matter oh, that's it's, awesome. uh, it's alpha club oh that's dope yeah the I fact that jericho talk about jericho either that jericho texts me is just the weirdest thing in the world i'll never forget the first text he ever sent me he was like hey johnny it's jericho i'm like what world what world am I living in right now? So bizarre. But he's been such a help to the podcast and he always reposts and you know, he's almost like an executive producer at this point. You know, he's he's leading us in the right way. So it's uh it's been super cool. Wow. That's that's incredible. I can't even like I don't even know what to say about that. That's so incredible. Yeah, and Stop. what a compliment because that just means he really likes your energy. Yeah. People don't fuck with right. people they don't like, you know, to be around. Right, right. Yeah, he's uh He's been so cool. It's again, like, wow. I have no idea how I, no, no idea how I got here, but, uh, here we are. We are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where's your podcast available? Uh, it's on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you can get podcasts. So if, however you want to, and we do a YouTube now too. So if you want to watch video, uh, you could, you could catch us, uh, catch up there. And, uh, if you're a Jericho person, we have two, uh, watch alongs for, uh, some of the uh, stadium stampedes with Jericho giving us like behind the scenes stuff throughout the whole thing, which is super cool. That is wow. dope. I am into that. So I'll definitely check that out. Wow. That sounds like a I lot know. of fun. I'm excited. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. You guys can check it out. It's cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you also, also you teach, you teach classes about storytelling and comedy. Um, tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. At this point, I've been doing it for four years now, which is wow. so bizarre to even say, but and I've had, you know, hundreds of students and, and so many of them are like, and from all different ranges, you know, mm-hmm. so many of them are uh, doing such great things now in the scene. Uh, so uh, 
it, uh, you know, definitely a point of pride where I'm like, Oh, they were, they were my student. Uh, but yeah, it's basically talking about how to incorporate, uh, like storytelling mechanisms into your act. And, uh, you know, so many people are like, Oh, I have this great story, but I don't know how to make it funny. And it's just about trying to figure out how, how to take kind of the naturally funny moments of them, uh, in those stories and accentuate them and, uh, make it so that you have multiple moments like that throughout and, you have like a compelling conclusion to the story, uh, which is the problem with so many stories where they, they're like, Oh, then this happened then this happened. Then it goes nowhere. And like, uh, you can't blue ball the audience <laughs> like that. You know, yeah, everybody's true. got a friend that tells a story that goes nowhere and you end up hating that friend. So, <laughs> uh, uh, it's a matter of just kind of really, uh, kind of teaching how to structure a storytelling bit and to make it funnier. Uh, but you know, I always shit on stand-up classes. That's why I don't teach a stand-up class. Uh, because you know, the best way to learn how to do stand-up is to go bomb at open mics for four months. You know, yeah. Uh, that's really so. I always say, do six months of stand-up first, and then we could uh we could get you in the class. So. Yeah. Uh, I would rather talk to people that have experienced, you know, the open mic grind or, uh, or, or whatever before they come in. Uh, cause the class is not going to make you funny, you know, mm-hmm. but the class is going to help you out of structure of story. So, uh, you know, some people, I was saying first day of class, I'm like, I'm not a miracle worker. I'm not going <laughs> to, this class isn't going to make you good at stand up. It's, uh, but it, it'll help you with some of the mechanisms that might make yeah. your act uh, a little bit more memorable. So the tools that you need. Yeah. Yeah. I think did, did Jesse take your class? Jesse Rivera recently? Jesse, he has taken it a couple of times and okay. he's now my teaching assistant. So wow. He, okay. He, he's, he's my TA. So he keeps time and he keeps notes. Uh, it's very helpful to have somebody to do that. So I don't have to worry about it. And Jesse's and, great. Uh, He's yeah. great, and he always has such great input. On uh, what I was going to say stuff. was the last couple of times I've seen him, he's just told these amazing, compelling stories, and I yeah. just I was on the edge of my seat both times. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, yeah. I mean, he's really that's become a real strength for him in stand up, mm-hmm. uh, and I'd like to think I have something to do with that, or the class does. Um, but yeah, Jesse's gotten so good, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one of the ones where I'm always like, man, that guy's gotten so much better over the years, you yeah. know, yeah. so much more comfortable with this kind of with his own personality and his own yeah. voice on stage. So I'm still, I'm stoked for Jesse uh, yeah, and big, big things for him. Hell yeah. Um, so uh, I almost called you Jesse. So Johnny, <laughs> in closing, you uh, you've, you've accomplished so much in comedy. You know, you toured the country with Brian Fossein. You have this podcast with Chris Jericho that comes on there every, every now and then. Uh, what are some things that you still would like to accomplish in comedy? Oh man, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to headline clubs consistently. You know, I'd love to do TV. I've done, you know, I've done a bunch of, uh, I've done a bunch of acting over the last couple of years. You know, did a pilot that, uh, you know, was very well received and got to a bunch of uh, really cool festivals. And uh, obviously, my friend Melissa Vicenor had me in her music video, which was cool. I love it. And uh, 
then I've been in a couple of uh couple of movies. I was in uh the uh Megalodon, the Frenzy, and Whoa. then I just got done shooting a, another horror flick, uh, which will be kind of internationally distributed. So uh yeah, just do kind of do more acting and do more writing and and uh you know anything that'll help me do more stand up in front of more people is kind of what what I hope happens. That's awesome. Were you in the, were you in the and first I'm gonna Megalodon? do it too. Uh, I was uh, I was not in the first one. I was in the, the third sequel. The third sequel. Unicorn, <laughs> unicorn boat victim. Oh, check that out! I, I guess my credit uh, is unicorn boat victim. This Megalodon oh, nice. movie just came out recently, and it looks the graphics are incredible. So I'm like, I need to watch that. So maybe I'll try. To, maybe I'll try to find it. I'll see the unicorn boat victim. Unicorn boat victim. That's me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's not going to win any Oscars. I'll just say that. <laughs> no, but it's nice for the resume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll put it on my IMDb. <laughs> That's You're awesome. like, can I get on um, the pirate boat instead? <laughs> I, I know. Unicorn boat victim. <laughs> the, the toughest credit of all time. <laughs> I love that. That is That's awesome. Silly. That is awesome. Well, uh, I don't know how we can top that. So thank you for joining us, Johnny. <laughs> oh, so much fun. Uh, good to see you guys. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you guys again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Same. Same here. Oh, yeah. uh, you want to plug some social media before we get out of here? Oh, yeah. Hip, at Hipstrocracy on everything. And, uh, yeah, listen to the podcast. And then if you're in the Bay Area, come see me with Posein, October 19th to the 21st at Cobbs. It'll be fun. Hell yeah. And you can find me across the board at Funky Sam Medina. And I am at She Shines for You, all spelled out, no numbers. And everything else is at Hypothetical Comedy. Awesome, Johnny. Thank you so much. Thanks.